0: Turn with me to the letter to the Ephesians, if you have your Bible with you this morning, and Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, starting at verse uh, 1. So if you have a Bible, then turn to Ephesians with me. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has been now revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and share us together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may we may approach god with freedom and confidence i ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are for your glory so we continue and it's been a, it seems like a long time uh, that i've been able to um, share a little from uh, this series that we're looking at together entitled god's new society when I speak, speak generally, uh, we're taking up a theme, God's New Society, and it's based on the letter to the Ephesians, and we're looking at this together. If I might recap just for a couple of minutes, if, you know, if you're here for the first time, we haven't de- delved into this for, for a few weeks, so I want to just take a couple of minutes to recap, and then we're going to move, uh, uh, move forward together. But... Um, We've been looking at this theme, God's new society, looking at this idea of being a new people. And one of the the words or the the phrases that comes across in this letter to the Ephesians is to be in Christ, to be in Christ. And there's this idea of being a new person in Christ, God creating a new group of people in Christ, a new way, a new way of life, a new day. And it's this theme that we are looking at together. What does it mean to be a new person in Christ? What does it mean to live this new, fresh life? And God has, for the face of this planet, the earth and the universe, an understanding of a, a new way of life, a good life, a great life, an amazing life, an incredible life that can be lived in Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, there is a new purpose for life. And, um, you know, lots of people saying, "Wow!" you hear people go, What's the world coming to? Oh, you laugh because you, you probably hear that a lot of work, maybe. You know, what's it, where is it all leading? Where is it all going to go? What about a triple dip? Forget a dip, double dip. Now we're told it could be a triple dip might be a quadruple dip. I don't know what, how, how big a dip it's going to be. But where's it all going? Do people say, well, God's got a plan for the world, the universe, for you and I and for all of us. And it's a new life, a new way and a new day. And it's that that we're looking to unpack because it's related to life. It's not pie in the sky. It's something that we can know here and taste now on this earth not just for the future. There's a great future. There is an eternity, but there's something here on earth as well. And it's that that we have been looking at. So to that end, you'll find in this letter some key phrases to be in Christ. The heavenly realms, this idea of unity, the theme of the church, these will crop up again and again and we've been looking at those and these together. If you can recall, I've shared that the first, the Ephesians, the letter is is put in the Bible into six chapters. The first, Three, deal with human beings' position, where we are, to be in Christ, Paul says, to be in the heavenly realms. You are seated with all the riches of heaven in the heavenly realms. If you remember, you might not remember, it been a few weeks ago, a few months ago now, that deals with our position. Who are you? Where are you as a Christian? What does it mean to be where you are? You're seated right now. I know what you're saying to me. I'm sitting on a seat here on a cold morning in Long Eaton, listening to you waffle on. And uh, that's where I am right now. We're seated here right this moment. But that's not what you see. It's not just what you get. As a Christian, there is am in Christ. I'm a new person in Jesus. And there's something of all the realm and the riches and the resources of heaven. Now, we've spent some time looking at that. Um, I don't want to go any further in that. But... Chapters 1 to 3, look at position that you have. And I've been sharing that we need to really know our position. You really need to know where you are as a Christian because position gives perspective for life. You will not be troubled about a triple dip or double dip or whatever the dip's going to be. It will concern you. It will make you anxious. Of course it will. It does me at times. But the perspective I have on life isn't governed by only what I see, but who I am and where I am in God. My position in God. My name. The Bible says if you're a Christian, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. God isn't a God who comes and beats you up. He's a God who loves and cares for you. It says you're adopted in the family of God. So we're in the family of God. Our position is based in the heavenly realms, all the riches of heaven. And so, Paul shares to a group of people about a new way of life and a new life. You need to know your positions. We spent a long time looking at that. And then in chapters 1 to 3 speak of position, and then chapters 4, 5, and 6 will speak about practice. From a position, we practice our lives. A lot of people think we've got to, you know, Christianity is lots of do's and don'ts, and you can't do this, you've got to do that, and we're told you've got to do this and do that. It's not a case about that. It all comes out of who I am. It all comes out of my position in the family of God. And I'll act like a child of God. But I need to know my position. And so Paul shares in this amazing letter, something that's relevant for life today, about a new life that we can live. We need to know our position, and then we practice that position. Now, in this chapter 3, remember it's an open letter, and it's been put into chapters so that we can find out where we are in that letter today. And the translators have put it together that way. In this letter now, in in chapter 3, verse 1, we read, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. This man, Paul, who wrote this letter, finds himself in prison. And this morning, if you're looking for a theme and a title, uh, that I'm going to put everything that we're going to share for these next few moments, it's prison perspective. A prison perspective. Perspective, and it's that that I want to look at uh, t- today. So, here we are. We see this man, this guy called Paul, and he's in prison. He's actually chained to a Roman soldier, he's under house arrest. He's chained to someone. If uh, I would come and sit beside Ben, if Ben's sitting there and I'm sitting here on the front row, he might have been given that sort of distance. He's chained to somebody. And it's not a very nice thing, is it? Where you, where, where you move, the soldier would move. Uh, and that's why later on in the letter to the Ephesians chapter 6, he speaks about the armor of God. He talks about the armor of God because he's chained to someone who's in uniform. Um, he's under house arrest. He can't just go, you, even if he wants to go to the toilet, someone's going to follow him. That's what he's reduced to. And he's under house arrest, and he's in prison, and at the behest of a a Roman emperor called Nero. Why? He says, because of you Gentiles, because of the gospel, because this man Paul had been sharing in Israel amongst the Jews that God has not only saved the Jews, but God has also saved the whole world and wanted to include people like you and me. We're Gentiles. What happened, the Jews of the day got angry with him for saying some things, and they caused a big riot, and Paul, this man Paul, appealed to the governor of the day, and then they sent him on a journey to go and appear in Rome because Paul was a Roman citizen. And so what Paul finds himself in is not in a very good place. He's not writing a nice little letter and uh, a little bit of snow outside, but inside it's nice and warm and I can go off and have my dinner and do what I like for the rest of the day. It's not like that for him. He's in really in a terrible position. His life is in danger and later on he is to lose his life. He would be not crucified because he's a Roman citizen, but they would behead you instead. How kind of them, because he was a Roman citizen. And so he was in a terrible, terrible position. And here we have this man... In prison, in his own home, chained to a Roman soldier. And yet, do you see this? And this is the first point, a prison perspective. First point is this: perspective for life. Look at this. He's under house arrest, And yet, he's not bitter. In actual fact, when he speaks, he seems better, not bitter. I find this remarkable. I can't understand this at first, in first glance. When this man speaks, first of all, and he goes on to talk about how amazing God is, how gracious, how f- all the riches that he gives, how he brings freedom, how he's been given grace to Paul, how he wants to free the world, how he loves the Gentiles, how the- he has riches beyond imagination, unfathomable. He waxes lyrical. The next, from in, verse, in verse 1 there, he says, I'm a prisoner, but he's not bitter. He speaks better. The next next ten verses, the next next section, is all about how great and amazing God is in his love for the world. Now, if that was me, I'd be thinking to myself, this is terrible. Here I am, stuck. This is terrible. This is an awful day. But he's got something. It's as if in verses 2 to 12 he gets sidetracked. And he starts to speak about how amazing God is. And as he begins to think about how amazing God is, he goes off on a a long, not rant, a a long encouragement about how amazing God is. Because in verse 1, he says, I'm a prisoner. In verses 2 to 12, he talks about how amazing God is. And then in verse 13, he comes back and says, I am now suffering, but it's for your glory. So it's a, it's, Now, at first glance when you read it, it's water off a duck's back. But it's remarkable. Talk about perspective on life. It's, it's, it's absolutely pinch yourself, pinch someone nearby you right now. No, don't do that at all. No, I don't, I don't mean that. You know, you know. But, you, you know, it's, it's, it's honestly, it is that absolutely remarkable that um, it wasn't that bad, Ben, was it? <laughs> Walking off in disgust now. <laughs> um, he goes on to say, it, now it's interesting. I, I, you know, uh, being a Christian isn't always easy and rosy. Being a Christian is amazing and wonderful and God is incredible. And as Mike's been leading us, the worship team leading us, that God's love is Amazing, and that's absolutely all that's true. But it to, as a Christian, doesn't mean to say I won't suffer, and as a Christian, doesn't mean to say that sometimes life could be challenging. There are moments of challenge. You know, we live in a world that if, if there's if there's uh, are, are we um, are we less stoical than the generations of past? I don't know. Some people say. You know, I, I could, I've talked to some people, and they say, you know, we came through the winter of forty-seven. David's saying, yep. (laughs) I know some that have come through the winter of 47. The winter of 47 was piled high. This is nothing compared, is it? Thank you, Shirley. This is nothing. Shirley can tell us as a little girl. She can say, you know, and um, everything stops today. Everything stops, doesn't it? Um, There's something about... The hand of God upon your life and my life. If you look at the Psalms, if you get a chance, turn to the book of Psalms and look at the first 15 to 20 Psalms. Psalm 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and on, and on, and on. Psalms of David. You'll find in them that when David speaks, he speaks of, of suffering, of, of life being challenging. And then he goes on to say, if, you, if you, you, you turn to a Psalm right now, have a look. Look at the first couple of Psalms if you can. Uh, I encourage you to go and look at the Psalms at some stage. Anyone that's been a Christian a while, I love the Psalms. To me, they're life. They're the most encouraging songs and poems you could ever read. They're just are just life for me at times. And um, if you read the Psalms, you read where David, who was an amazing king, had. the Bible says that David, many of the Psalms are written by a man called David, who was a king. And the Bible says he had God's own heart. It was after God's own heart. If you read lots of those first psalms, you'll find that the way that they're written, it will be, I'm, 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 I'm facing the pit. Everyone's against me. I've got no friends. Life is awful. And you think to yourself, oh, dear me. Being, following God is hard. And then he goes on to say, but God is great. Your hand will save me. I love you and I adore you. You save me from the pit. And it's in the midst of suffering that there can be great, Help. In the midst of sometimes challenge, there can be incredible feeling of love, of hope. And it's as if God shows Himself. He doesn't want us to suffer. He doesn't make us suffer. That's the way that life is, and the way because of the fall. But in the midst of challenge, we have a God, a heavenly father, who is there for you. And it's as if in the midst of difficulty, God is able to show how great he really is, and how much he really loves us. But it's all about your perspective. What do you see? Now, Paul and David, when he writes, and so he wrote the Psalms. David writes the Psalms from the perspective of seeing God in the midst of challenge. That's, well, thank God we've got the Psalms to this day. Good job he had that perspective. And Paul seemed to have the same, in prison, suffering, challenged. He said, but I can see God's glory I can see God in this. It's amazing. It's incredible. In actual fact, he reveals something about his heart and his life and that God is good. God is good. Even when I'm challenged, God is still good. That is a hard thing to say at times because if you're going through a challenge right now and you're suffering or something's going bad in your life, you, you, you know, we find that a hard thing at times. But God is still God. He's still good and still loves you and wants to be in the midst of your life. Paul says, I am a prisoner. Do you notice this? It says there, Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He was a prisoner of Nero. Really, he was... And he tripped up then. Nearly, he was. He really, he was a prisoner of the emperor Nero. That's who he was a prisoner of. But Paul says, "I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus." The key to life is living life from our position, because our position gives us perspective. It's like this with Paul. Paul's spirit is in Christ. And with him in the heavenly realms. And although his body is languishing in prison, Paul sees his heart and life in Christ. Paul was literally languishing in prison. Prisoner of his own home. And yet his heart and life, he could see, was in Christ. And there lies the key to life. And I don't say this easily. I really don't, let me tell you. The key to life is to know who I am in God. As we've been led this morning that God loves us and to know that God loves me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. We've sung that song this morning. It's to know that. It's a a relationship with God. It's a relationship with God. And Paul could see this. So he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ. He didn't say I'm a prisoner of Nero. He said that Christ, God is in control. To be in Christ is to have a life positioned in God. And that's the key to life. So when all hell breaks loose, when trouble comes, when everything seems to go wrong, God is still God. God is still good. That's what the psalmist says, even though I'm, life is on the pit. You read some of those psalms. David says, I, my bed is soaked with my tears. He said, my bones feel like they're crushed. And yet you are good, God is good, and you will save me, and you shall prevail. This man Paul discovered something. He discovered what it is to have a relationship and to be positioned in Christ. And so you and I, and it's the position is our relationship, and the relationship is revealed. You know, I can talk about it till I'm blue in the face. I could tell you about it, I could tell you about a relationship, but only you can discover that relationship between you and God. And only you can make that relationship grow between you and God. Only you. I can't. And I can only. I can only grow my relationship with God. I can't. I can't grow yours. Only you can grow yours with God. And I would say that this is the all important. This is everything to life. You don't confess to a priest. You don't come. And it's all about the church. It's all about your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And it's this. And Paul, from this position, Paul could say. Even though I am chained and I'm in prison, he says, I am free. He wasn't hiding his head in the sand. He knew that in God, all things would work, as we've been singing about this morning, towards his ultimate good. You know, the Bible says, taste and see that God is good. I can tell you about God. I could teach you about God. You could tell someone else about God and you could teach someone else about god but being taught is is one thing tasting is the other thing you can know about god and hear about god and be told about god that's only part of the story the other part of the story is what you do with what you're told about it's to taste the bible's very clear taste and see that god is good in other words enter into a real living relationship with him. And this is what Paul had. And you know, you and I draw in the difficult times, in the challenges of time, is to draw upon a loving heart relationship with God. And that is the key. That's what gives perspective in life. And so for Paul, he could say his perspective was this I'm in prison, but not at Nero's behest, but in, because of Christ. And Christ is in control. And it's that perspective. Now that. Dear friend this morning, I've took a, a long time to talk about that, is what life is really all about. That's the perspective of life, because what we'll see around us will challenge us to the core. What you will see at your work, what you will be told, what will happen to you, what will happen economically. I'm not saying we hide our heads in the sand. Of course not. Paul didn't do that. He said, I'm a prisoner. I am in prison, but it's with Christ. And it's this position that we have. And I would ask you this morning, what is your position? Where is your relationship? Where are you at the moment? Is it growing? Is it going on? And that's the key to our lives this morning. And that was the first thing. Perspective. Paul's prison perspective was based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Second thing we read that Paul speaks about there is he speaks about a mystery. He says, I am... I, um, I'm called to make known the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the good news. He he mentions it about three or four times in those next um, few words there. The word mystery there literally means this, this. It's a truth that was hidden that is now made known. A hidden truth now made known. It does not mean weird, mystical, and unexplained. Like the truth is out there. Ooh, it's weird, man. Didn't mean that. It's not mystical. The word mystery, literal, literal translation of that word, means something that was hidden is now open for everyone to see. It's made It's been revealed by God. That's what the word there. It goes back to the uh, ancient days of where people were initiated into what they called the mystery religions. There were pagan religions of that day, and you were initiated into mystery religions. And you had initiation, and you knew all about the initiation. And the translation literally means, something that was hidden is now made known. In other words, and this is what Paul says, Paul comes to make known, and this is why he's in jail. Because Paul has been given charge to now make known what God has made known. And What has God made known? What is the mystery of Christ? What is the, this mystery that is now made known, what is this mystery of the good news or the gospel that Paul speaks about there? It's this, that there are now no barriers. There are now no barriers. There are absolutely no barriers between Jew or Gentile, Greek, barbarian, slave, free, mankind, you and me, and God. The, what's been revealed now is that there are no barriers between human beings and God. We've speak, spoken about this a lot. You see, in the ancient world, there was an understanding that um, if you were a Jew, at the time when Paul was speaking, if you were um, a Jew, you treated people like you and me. We're, we're Gentiles. Uh, we were called Gentile dogs. Um, you know, th- That's a fact. I'm not being you know, anti-Semitic or anything like that. Uh, th- that's that's the, the history of the day, at the day. That was the teaching at that time. and This is why Paul's in prison. Because he was saying that people like you and me, Gentiles, no barriers. We can all come into the kingdom now. And the Jews of the day were saying, this is not true. This is blasphemy. Hence, he was in prison. And what Paul discovered was this, that in Jesus Christ, there are now no barriers. You know, at the time of the day, if you were a Greek, you considered everyone else in the world a barbarian. While the Greeks were electing politicians, democracy, the word dem- it comes from Greece... Democracy, what we, we now have today, it historically, comes from the Greek culture, ancient Greek culture. While we were running around following Queen Boadicea, or whatever it was, in our huts, whatever it was, with war paint on, and, uh, and you, know, you and I weren't actually doing that, but there you go. But uh, while that, the Greeks were electing politicians, they considered the rest of the world barbarians. And so we would be referred to as barbarians. The Romans, when the Romans conquered Greece, they thought the Greeks were barbarians and the Romans were the sophisticated ones. In the ancient world, there was a lot of bigotry and there were a lot of barriers, just like there can be in our world today. Nothing's new under the sun because we're human beings. And what God shared was this. There are now no need for barriers. So we read in the Bible between Greeks, and Romans, Gentiles, free, loads of slaves, seven million slaves, nothing to do with slaves, Jew, no barriers. Everyone is equal. That was a radical message then. It's a radical message now. It's a radical message then and it's a radical message now. And there are no barriers. And so the mystery now revealed is in Jesus, he breaks down all the barriers. And every human being can have a relationship with God. God and that's what Paul said is so amazing and that's why he said I'm in prison because God is so great and so Jesus becomes the bridge and he says walk on me there's not one of us would ever want to be walked over or walked on would we but he suffered for you and me so that we he could be the bridge to life he died in our place so that we through repentance and acceptance of him Could find a relationship with God. He becomes the bridge. There was a gap between us and God. So now there are no barriers. Jesus is the bridge. And this is what Paul says is amazing. Christ is now our bridge to life. And so he goes on to say there that because of this, he says, I'm a servant of the gospel. The grace to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. No barriers. Unsearchable riches with no barriers. The word unsearchable means unfathomable, indescribable, inexhaustible. There is a guy called um, William MacDonald said this, translating unsearchable riches. This is what he said. When a person trusts in the Lord Jesus... He immediately becomes a spiritual billionaire in Christ. He possesses inexhaustible treasure. He possesses inexhaustible treasure. There is in Jesus Christ inexhaustible, indescribable, unfathomable love, mercy, kindness, forgiveness, peace, hope, healing that can change the world and change our lives. It's unbelievable. We can't almost describe it and get hold of it. That's why it's inexhaustible. So MacDonald says, it's become a spiritual billionaire. Many Christians don't live like that. We only live by what we can see and the doom that's coming ahead. But if only we knew that in God there is everything. Everything is set out for us and before us. And so Paul says, even though I'm chained up, even though I'm in his perspective of God is that we have everything everything at our disposal. That's the mystery. Finally, so Paul shares a perspective of his position. He shares that there are no barriers and now this access to God is limitless for us. If only we could apply and lay hold of that. And finally, he shares this final thing, that the church is central to sharing with the world that there are no barriers, the centrality of the church. You know, God's new society is centred. God's new society, God's new good news is centred in what? The church. He says here, he goes on to say, and to make plain to everyone, this administration of the mystery, which for ages has been kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The mystery which is now revealed is this. Open to everybody, there are now no barriers between human beings and God. There's a free access through Jesus Christ. Not through another person, not through a vicar, or Christ's vicar on earth, or anyone, but through Jesus himself. And central to that is God's new society, the church. You know, the church is described in the New Testament as the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Jesus is described as the cornerstone or foundation stone. The apostles and prophets are described as the foundations. And do you know what it describes you and me as? Living stones. Believers, Christians, are living stones. We're building blocks. You probably wouldn't like it for me to call you this, but you're a blockhead. We are building blocks. We're living stones. We are the living stones of the church. It's not the fabric of the building, but we, you and I, people, we are the new society. You know, a dinosaur um, became fossils because they died and stood still. And, um, you know, the church needs to be a place that is alive and stays alive Uh, and that moves and is relevant and is alive. It's not just about today. The church isn't just about today that what we see, that's only part of the message, but it's also about tomorrow. And so the church isn't dead. Some people are saying in the world, the church is dead. There's no more the church. You know... um, People were speaking about the inauguration of the new Pope and how amazing St Peter's looked and and how everybody looked wonderful and amazing on Five Live it was given in their finery. But isn't that all out of date now and the church is gonna have to change? There are certain things that do have to change. We have to be relevant. The church must be alive and relevant in the age in which we live. And so there are things that will change so that we are relevant in our world. And we do have to move on. There are things that we do have to move on with. If we stay still, there's a danger that we could become a fossil. We could die and fossilize And there's a danger that you see that when people don't move on in God and moving on with the time in God and stepping out. And so today we are called not just for today, but also to look at tomorrow, to step out against the tide. And Paul the Apostle says, I am in prison because why I stepped out and said that Jesus wants everyone to come to know him. And the Jews of the day put him in prison because they didn't like that. When you stand up and stand against the tide of the age in which we live and move on in God you will find that people may come against you. I find that if I want to stand against the tide of things, things don't always go my way in the way I seek to expect them. You know, faith means that we access unsearchable riches. We are spiritual billionaires and it's through faith that we access those spiritual riches. Faith looks at the future and the church is not dead but it is alive and we're called to be alive and to act alive. Not only to look at today, but also stretch towards our tomorrow. Today anchors us. Yesterday and today can anchor us so that we can stretch towards our tomorrow. We need yesterday. We thank God for today and we're anchored to be stretched towards our tomorrow. And so as a church, we have to look at our tomorrow. We say, thank God for yesterday we know what he's calling us to do today, and we stretch towards what he says for tomorrow. Otherwise, if we don't, we'll stay still. And if we stay still, there's a danger. You stay still long enough. A dinosaur st- stayed still long enough and it fossilized. That's what can happen in certain parts of the life of the church. So, three things then perspective. Our position will give us a perspective on life. Second thing, no barriers. Our relationship with Jesus means that there is access to. Incredible riches. Spiritual billionaires. And thirdly, the church. We are called to show and display to the world something of God's new society. You know what it said of Gandhi? Gandhi, a great man. Gandhi was brought up um, in South Africa for quite a large part of his life. He then went back to India to lead India into freedom. A pacifist, so his nonviolent action. And there was a time in Gandhi's life when he was a young man, considering where, which way he should go in life at university, and he came into contact with Christians. And he said um, he said this, really. He said, I would be a Christian if it wasn't for the Christians. He looked at the church of the day. In South Africa at the time, there were some things going on that he didn't like things like with apartheid and different things going on. And you can imagine him being a coloured man, how he would have been treated. But he said this, if it wasn't for the Christians, I would be a Christian. So the church, we are called to be the people of God, to display that to the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you indeed, amazing God, you are awesome, mighty. And we thank you that there are now no barriers. There is access to Jesus Christ. You say, come to me, all you, are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we come to you, Lord Jesus. And so right now this morning, we look at our lives and our hearts, and we say, we look at our relationship, and we just want, Lord, to grow in you. Perhaps it's found wanting. Maybe it's great right now. Maybe it's gone a bit cold. I don't know. But we come before you and it's our relationship with you that we want to grow in. Thank you that there is this freedom to come to you. And thirdly, we just look towards the church. We want to be the people that you want us to be, Father. We thank you for yesterday and the great heritage that we have. We thank you for today and as we give our lives to you this very moment. And we look forward to the future and want to follow you and move where you are calling us to. That takes faith and courage And so we look towards you, Lord Jesus, and thank you that we have unfathomable riches. We are spiritual billionaires. And so we open up our hearts to you. Right now, if we're worried or troubled or disturbed, we say thank you that all the riches of heaven are ready to be released into our hearts and lives. And you just call us to open our hearts to you, and to seek you with all our hearts. And so we do that this morning and give you your glory your honour and your rightful place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.